Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 9th of February 2020. I hope you're all doing okay and getting through these incredible times that we're living through. Because uh, I've said that so many generations, as far as I can remember, parents, grandparents and so on, going back, I've never had any peace for any length of time in the system in which we live. You're always worried about finances or financial crashes. And as I've said before, they generally rob you. Traditionally, the big, big, big banks or those who control them, because you, you go, it's even wrong to call them banks. The, the top lenders at the top are really different. They lend to nations, and they, they traditionally have always plundered us at least twice, at least twice a century. That's, that's generally traditional, and, but it's, it's sometimes three times in a century. And now they have more sophisticated ways of getting money off the general public, through taxes and various, and then the, the, the cons of inflation and deflation and what they like to call quantitative easing, where they, they simply ease the cash out your wallet, you know, by big quantities. But it, it, but they do it incrementally, so you're not supposed to notice it so much. Uh, so we're controlled all the time through fear. I've always said this is an abusive system. And it truly is an abusive system. The technique is simple, to keep the people terrified. It's like cattle in a field. If they're happily grazing, you see, they'll ignore any guy that comes along and tells them to move to the next field. You have to get fear into them uh, to get them all moving and stampede them. If you can really, st- if you want big changes to happen, you stampede them quickly, get the whole herd moving. And during that, that period, don't let them rest at all. Keep, keep them frantically racing ahead with their eyes wide and the whole thing, their tongues hanging out, terrified. And you, you can really get a lot done to control them by changing the, the entire system. And, and they'll obey you, see, because they're, they're terrified. Well, that's, that's how they talk about the people, how to keep them, how they manage the public. It's, it's awful for them to have a long period of not much, too much happening, you see. So you financial crashes, they get, you're always living in fear. You can't win in this system if you're ordinary people. You really can't, it's, not, it's not meant that you win anything, actually. Maybe a scratch and win, but you lose it again next time you buy the tickets. It, it's all a setup and a big con. Uh, because if you know, if you won, they'll be happy. Happiness is the last thing they want the public to have. You're supposed to always listen to experts, you see, and the experts always terrify you of all the awful things that could happen when you're alive. And most folk now can't even think without experts, like Bertrand Russell says. We're, we're training the public uh, to to be basically inadequate without the advice of of experts on the basic things, basic things. And he meant like changing diapers on babies. Now you need lessons on how to do it. Huh? People can't think for themselves. But you, you, that was, when they started the Weather Channel, they even got a book out on it ages ago from some of the guys who worked on it and they were set up there to terrify the public. So a little bit of drizzle could be possible flooding coming your way. Everything became a crisis. Utter nonsense, you know. But that's how you do it. You terrify the public. Uh, through the uh, data, it's information, but it's da- information doesn't mean true or untrue. It's just data, you see. And very often it is untrue. Uh, this whole thing about fake news is as old as the hills. We've been getting it our whole lives, and, and your parents before you, yeah, you know, were getting it their whole lives too. Fake news, mm. and yeah, everything's fake, really. Uh, people are people actually vote. For, for, for who's been selected by the top to be the front person that you're going to believe in. And they all belong to the same Council and Foreign Relations group. They're all selected regardless of the party they're in. At the top, they're all selected by... Carl Quigley talked about that, and he should certainly have known about it, since he was the official recorder of their histories. They have their own history archives for the CFR. And Quigley himself, Professor Quigley, was getting access to them in the 1960s. Actually, he worked with Zimmerman, another guy who at one time was head of the British Communist Party. He, he wrote their newspapers for them. He owned them. 
And, and they said, we don't care, he said, he said quickly. We don't care if they're communists or fascists, dictators or whatever. It doesn't matter as long as they're all, they're all working together. That's what he said. That we don't mind, this is what they are, you know. And true enough, if you read their books, they're all very old books when they had their world meetings and they published some of them for their members mainly. Uh, you, you, you find they had communists in there, they had all the labor uh, leaders in there too for, for different unions. And they had uh, prime ministers, presidents, they had bankers for the world all attending these world meetings as they planned out the future. And it's, it's in their books, it's not conspiracy stuff. That this is the, I keep telling people, you're living through an agenda. And it's, it's not hard to, 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 to believe, as far as I'm concerned, when you read it every so often. Like The World Economic Forum literally talk about the, the whole century, what they wanted to implement. It's the Agenda 21, the agenda for the whole 21st century. All the changes that must be made and the super cities, uh, and everyone getting crowded into them, getting out of the rural areas, and, um, and eventually the abolition of private cars, essential vehicles only, right down to what you'll work at, what you'll eat, etc. It's almost, you see, it's a system. A system is awfully important to understand what a system is, from birth to death. Huh? You're numbered, you're a unit, and your function is to, to, to produce and only consume what they want you to consume. But produce, that's the definition at the United Nations of a good global citizen, a producer-consumer. If you are sick or you're, or you're a tire, you're no longer a producer. You're a burden on their system. They're not making this thing this up at all. And remember as well, as I've said before, look back to the big, big foundations that hire... Uh, and people live and work their, their whole lives long for, for these foundations in different capacities of employment. And they retire, and then, and but that, when they retire, the foundations don't close. No, they, they've already trained people who continue. It goes, they go on for centuries. And sure, they, they all have their functions and have their tenets, and they can tell you what their, what the, their goals are. They tell you what they want to accomplish. And they have all the time in the world to do it. And all the money, of course. And they hire and, and train and employ hundreds, maybe even thousands of non-governmental organizations to get the job done across the whole planet. The richest folk on the planet, you don't vote for them. I know Bloomberg's getting into politics, but he, even he is not the richest on the planet. But the ones who are the richest on the planet decide what's to, what the future is to be. And they have their different proxies beneath them the little worker bees that get it, get more of the jobs done. The ones at the top do very little work at all. They just make suggestions, and the rest of them, who who owe to them basically everything that they have, uh, jump into action and get the job done. That's how it is. They even have councils of el- elders. I've mentioned it before, uh, and they have global. It's a global system, and these are the elders of the the top global system. Royal Institute for International Affairs, CFR. The inner groups, of course, the inner party and outer party, uh, and uh, and the ones who do the most work get to and, and can live long enough get to be the elders, and they're passed over to, through the United Nations to the World Health Organization heads and so on, and they have this global socialistic um, system, which they work for, which they uh, really believe in. They really uh, they're dedicated to it in a, a strange, fanatical sort of way. Uh, and I was talking to someone today, in fact, about that, because it really is uh, difficult to get into the mindset of people who are fixed for life from a very early age into this strange duty that they feel that they have. It's, and it fills their pockets too, mind you, by serving their masters who are above them, the ones who are the dominant minority, who have all the, 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 the cash and the systems of creating cash in the world. Uh, so they, they, but they serve them slavishly and, and fanatically and truly believe they have the right to rule the world. It's, it can only work when they train everybody else, as I say, to be naive. You're brought up to be naive. You're brought up to believe that you've got a system uh, and you're just tumbling down through time and, and your votes count and what you do, your votes really matter and so on and so on. And that's the big joke of it all, really, because when you have the, the huge 
massive organisations of foundations that fund the, the, the countless armies of NGOs and countless think tanks uh, that work. Uh, 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 actually, government's almost a, a subsidiary of the think tanks and, uh, t- today. Uh, in government, they, they constantly go to the different think tanks for expert advice, as they call it, for whatever topic it happens to be. And, of course, the think tanks are only too happy to, to oblige them. The CFR in America uh, boasts about the fact that they, they're, they're advisors to governments. Well, you don't vote for these, these these think tanks, do you? Most folk don't even know they exist, or if they know they exist, they don't delve in to find out what they exist for, or what their history is, or anything else. And like the, the World Economic Forum, where, where they where they boast about running the world for the next hundred years, and this this and this and this and this and this is going to get implemented, etc., and you're all going to have uh, be, be again more surveilled by high tech and all the rest of it. Did you vote for that? No, you don't get to vote for the WEF. They don't ask your advice on anything. It's just done. So who are you talking about? You're living in some kind of democracy, huh? What are you talking about? And you all hyped up when it comes voting time, you know. Because the same agenda is going to continue regardless. And it is. People who, who thought in the past they could buck the system by getting off the course it was on. And who were in the know to an extent of some of what was going on higher up above them. I'm talking about presidents and prime ministers. When they started to believe that they really were in charge of nations, or a nation, they were reminded, like Kennedy was, and the world was reminded, and every other politician was reminded, hey, hey, you know, you're not running the show here. And Ronald Reagan did the same thing. He started to make decisions and start to, he, he, get, he got off, off his, his script, basically, and he was shot, not killed, but shot to remind them. You're, you're not the boss. That's how it really works. The same with Julian Assange. What happened to, to Julian Assange getting locked up? And basically, I mean, he was basically a prisoner in an embassy for years, years. But every newspaper company in, in the world pretty well was, was advised to attend when they went in to arrest him. So that the world would see that this guy getting pulled out with these big, strong, burly guys, you see and bundled off in a van as a warning to everybody else who might start to think they had the right to free speech and to tell the public things that they thought the public should know. And from then on, the, the journalists are just zipped. Their mouths are zipped, you know. And they'll give you the little um, uh, safe topics to talk about, etc. But that's about it. Everything today is so in your face and managed. It's just sad that people need an explanation of what they're actually seeing. And it really is that way, isn't it? But yeah, Julian Assange, regardless of what damage he did or didn't do, the fact is that was a message to the world. To every journalist, don't just, just do what you're told. And after the Leveson Inquiry in Britain, and uh, his counterpart in Australia did the same thing there. The British Commonwealth all went into action at the same time to, to basically restrict news and data to the public as we're going into the, the next phase of basically a lockdown on free speech, which really started way back in 9-11. We're suddenly in this strange war mode against, as they told us immediately who the enemy was to be. It was no surprise to me. And we've been at war ever since, basically. Uh, for, for what? Big corporations have been raking in the cash. The countries are getting poorer and poorer, paying for it all. Because we pay for it all. Incredible wars and the devastation, the worst, and the fallout in the countries that we, you now have to support that you're flattened and destroyed. And also the mass migration from them. Too. I wouldn't stay in those countries knowing it was going to happen, would you? It's planned that way. It's a chessboard. One, pe- one move from this, this chess piece will cause this, 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 this. This is all thought out way, way ahead 
of the first shot being fired in any war. It takes years to prepare this stuff. Every movement and strategy is, is debated by many think tanks, many levels, and they go over and over and over, like drafts and redrafts and all the rest of it. Could this happen? What cause? So whatever happens is planned that way. I hope you understand that. And it's quickly said you can get more done in five years of war for planned social change than you can in 50 years of peace using propaganda. In other words, when the public are terrified and scared, you can ram through laws after laws after laws. You can take free speech away. You, can, you could even chip everybody if they want to. That's where they're wanting to go, actually, with it all. But remember, you're in a strange system of evolution. And I'm not terrifying people. You should never be terrified by news of the truth. You can't deal with anything unless you understand it. Denial doesn't stop it. I hope you understand that. Most folk can't handle the truth. It is true, and I don't blame them. And most folk, again, accept the doctrination they've been given. And they themselves, in their own lives, in their own little circle, will find decent people, and they'll be decent people, and they've got their little problems, but they're decent people. They can't imagine there's people at the top that are, that are not so decent and who, treat, and who see you as an inferior species, all the eugenicists, etc., at the top, and who help plan the future. And they say, well, do we really need these people down the road? And they, yeah, we're going to use you for a while. Yeah, as human beings. Not, maybe not all of you. We don't need all of you anymore. But as an efficient machine, a human body, um, it's, pretty, it's, it's pretty durable. You, you might get 60, 70 years out of that body. Maybe less if you push it too hard in the fields or whatever you're going to use them for in hard labor. But the fact is, it's a pretty cheap body to maintain compared to robots. And eventually down the road, if they get cheaper energy for robots and so on, yeah, they'll add more cyborg technologies to it. And then maybe eventually pure robots, if they can get dependable, long-lasting robots. But in the meantime, they've got humans. The only problem with humans is you've got this thing called a brain. And so you must cater to the fact this brain's going to ask questions. And you've got to make sure that you always, you know, get them off off, off the road or, or to, to seeking real truth because they might get it, become, become objectionable to things if they don't understand truth and, and keep them going in the circle keep them happy in their little little circles keep them happy give them lots of entertainment because, because we have an insatiable desire for entertainment don't we? we've been so studied that they know exactly what to do but today with entertainment and for my whole life entertainment's been going down the hill as far as indoctrination goes or should up the hill, perhaps, with... It's really down the hill. It's easier to indoctrinate the public today with so much for them to, to see. I mean, there's not a minute of the day they, they couldn't pass delving into entertainment if they want to. Everything you, that you see now is so politically correct with indoctrination because that's how you get updated is through fiction, you see. It's quite simple. But even at that, though, there's a lot... A lot of, of resources and money and so on is diverted to keeping the people technically. It's like it's like animal. This is animal husbandry. You manage them. You manage the public like a herd, just like medicine. They call it herd immunity when they give you inoculations and vaccinations and and so on. But they use the same term for managing us all. Not themselves, of course, but you, <laughs> all of you, <laughs> and we accept that too. So as long as you have, um, like the Freudian aspect of it, as they call it, you know, where you put everything down to sex. Well, sex is a weapon since it's a primitive technique. A primitive part of the brain is used for survival techniques, you see. Uh, and uh, if, you, if you don't procreate, there's, there's no next generation. So you hypersexualize everybody. You break the bond of marriage or even long-term mating. In fact, they, they state in their, in their many articles from communism and socialism uh, and their books, the, their manuals for training them, that the, the idea was to, to stop the bonding process happening between man and woman and just, and just having them come together for sex, you see? Break the bond. Because a family unit is a small tribe. A small tribe might stand up together against government. When you're on your own individually, 
you're in, you're in fear of government because it can speak right down to you or come to your door and there's no one there to stand up for you. H.G. Wells said this himself in his own writings for the Fabian Society, which of course was, was funded by the Astor family, the rich, one of the richest families of the, of the era. So it's quite easy to keep the people happy to say lots of sex, you see. Keep them in a perpetual childhood until people won't realize that they're, they're, they're getting old until they hit about 60. And even then, they're still lapping up the stuff that's churned out for teenagers. Because there's lots of it, you see. So it's, it's perpetual childhood. You're, you're immature. You never grow up. And you don't think of deeper things. Which is fantastic for those who rule you. It's less trouble. Less trouble. And there's really less communication between people outside this electronic box that we're all in. There's really less communication because people are tech. That's not communication. Texting is not communication, folks. Meeting people, looking in their eyes and speaking to them is communication. We don't do that so much anymore. These are all wanted changes by those at the top, desired changes when we stop communicating in, in reality with people. All the studies have shown is the, young, the teenagers today can't even look at each other in the face or anybody else in the face. They look away. They're so used to looking at, at, their, at their cell phones and so on, or tablets or whatever. But, but, and, and for there, they'll text away all day long, but they have no communication abilities in real life. It's really sad that all planned that way. I always think of Orwell's 1984 with, with a scene in the canteen, the cafeteria, or the canteen where he works, and a few of them at the table are sitting, and one of them was working in the Department of, of Communication and, and the Dictionary, you see. And he says, do you realize, he says, the, the dictionary used to be this thick, and he, he puts his fingers out about three inches. And he says, then, then we got it down year by year till it was this thick last year, and it's pretty thin. And he says, this year it's going to be even half as thick again. And one of them chips in and says, I see, brother, he said, when we don't have the words to communicate with, to describe, basically, anything that's right, wrong, or anything else, then you're no threat. You couldn't be a counter-revolutionary, basically. That's what he's basically, I'm kind of paraphrasing, but that's what he was getting at. You wouldn't have the vocabulary to express any, what you really mean. <laughs> and we're getting there even with all the different changes of vocabulary that's been forced upon the public. This is, part, this is no kidding. This is an old plan, and, and Orwell understood this because he belonged to the International Socialist Party at one time, and he went off and fought for it, actually did physical fighting for it in Spain. And until he caught on, uh, there's something much bigger and above all this, managing it all, and where it was supposed to go. And he, he also came back, and he was kind of shunned in the social circuit, even though he was a, a great writer and all that at the time. He was well, well known amongst the class of socialists and so on, because he wouldn't speak out and stand up for the communists. He, he said they're not the same at all. And he realized that the whole idea of socialism was heading off into the wrong direction. And there's a much bigger game plan above it all, managing it. That's what, that's what he realized. And he, and he said that one of the, the... And I put up the link years ago on my website, cuttingthroughthematrix.com, where he talked about a meeting of the, the, the authors, the Socialist Authors Association, or some kind of association he was in, and, and he had arguments with them because they wanted to, again, bring nothing but sex in and destroy sex or any beauty in the world through, through the disgusting techniques. And basically, they're seeing all today, like S&M and all that, and cussing and swearing. And he didn't see the, the reason for it or the need for it at all. And so the, the, the books they put out about Orwell, some of these socialists said that he was inhibited, as they called it, inhibited, a term that uh, was used by Freud again, they used this, this term, oh, inhibited, etc. No, you, you can't have decent manners anymore. You, you, if you have decent manners, you're inhibited. And when you, I can remember years ago, and I do it once in a blue moon myself, where you'll swear, you know. But it all came from television years ago, when I used to watch TV or movies. And now, of course, it's, it's, it's some, some movies today, it's every second word. It's unbelievable. 
And you wonder why the children pick it up. Well, it's the same way that you picked it up, you know. Because, honestly, it's it's all planned that way. You don't need that. I watched, a, not too long ago, I watched, a, someone sent me a, it's a cheap kind of sci-fi horror type thing. And I'm not kidding you, male, female, teenagers, or, or early 20s maybe, it didn't, every second word was just a swear word. What's the po- if you took that out of the very limited vocabulary, there's nothing left. It was that bad. But that's what, that's what the, the fellas, their heads full of. And back in the 90s on a, on a show, I remember mentioning the same thing. I said, you know, the, you pass little children uh, in the streets and, and drawn so, and, and you'd, you'd hear them cussing and swearing and copying the things that they heard from television until they grow up and it's quite normal now for folk to cuss. And, I, I catch myself when I can. I only use it now when you hurt yourself in some way or another and, and that's about it. But but it's so profuse today uh, that uh, it's destructive. You understand it's destructive. We all sense where it's, it's when we hear other people using that. We hear, we know it's wrong. We know it's bad for us. And if you hear women saying it too, it's somehow it seems even worse. I don't know why, but it seems worse. But anyway, that's uh, that's the system in which we live. It's a very fake system. It's artificially created. And again, I mentioned recently to someone about the fake news again, to do with, with how we're given so much fake news, that Carl Quigley talked about fake news for World War Two. That's what's called propaganda, that's fake news. And millions of dollars were spent giving the publics in the West fake news and propaganda. He mentioned that the, the Royal Institute for International Affairs, that which is the senior uh, group for the CFR, basically, they had all the, the, the moguls, news moguls, Together, that their meetings, they're all part of the club, you see. And they decided to terrify the public, because the public weren't taking it serious enough. They had no interest in going to war with Germany again, you see. But those that ruled them had a different idea. And so they decided to, to, to threaten it. They put on all their papers at the same time a big blitz about gas mass. You're all going to get gassed from the air. And, and it's so beautiful, too, because they use the taxpayers to, to terrify themselves by you, the taxpayer, paying for the gas masks. You know, the taxpayer paid for it all. And, of course, their private companies all belong in the same group are the, are the manufacturers. So it's quite astonishing, you know. Anyway, everybody had to all, before the war started and enduring it, carry this gas mask in, in, in this little haversack around with them. Or you got fined if you didn't. And children had them, too. And... This is all before the war started. They called it a phony war initially, because nothing was happening in Britain anyway. And then they had them all tearing up uh, trenches, trenches in London to again get it through their thick heads, as they say. There's going to be a war coming, a war coming. You've got to be on board with this war. You've got to hate the enemy. Because you can't, it's hard to kill folk that, that you don't hate, you know. So they, you drum up hate and you, and you debase them into inferior beings, uh, nasty beings, dehumanize them. Uh, but you get the, everybody working out frantically, you put in all the papers, photographs of these gangs of guys digging up trenches in the middle of this. What good would they be when you get bombed from overhead? They're of no use at all. It was an exercise in terror. And Quigley went through that, he admitted that. Nothing's really changed. Nothing's really changed. We're always giving, as we're kept in fear of financial crashes. We're kept in fear as your dollar or pound or whatever currency you're on. You need more and more numbers to buy the same things and basics. But I read the articles years ago to do with austerity, part of the Agenda 21 plan for the world and the United Nations plan is to bring the Western world into austerity, meaning a form of poverty. Gradually, 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 until you, you're, all your money is going to go to energy costs, the, the Technocracy Inc. deal, you see. And you have some of the descendants of the Technocracy Inc. group <laughs> running the world today in energy. Because huh? everything's an energy unit, and everything you earn is basically energy units, which are spent on buying energy units, which is electricity, gas, or food, or anything else. Everything is energy. 
old plan. We're living through it. But yeah, austerity is really going to bring us into eventually. It's quite fascinating to, at this very time, isn't it, to understand all this. And I gave the talks back in the 90s on the whole plan of bringing China in full-time as the most favoured nation trading status partner for the West. That, that was what they called it. They signed it. All the, your leaders of politics signed for your factories to move to China under this wonderful free trade deal. Knowing there'd be no employment for all the folk that work in factories when there's no factories there. That's an incredible, horrific time for people. Especially those that were getting older, looking forward to their retirement. And factory after factory closed down. And we, we paid, our tax money paid to uproot them and transfer them to China. And we paid for up to 15 years, they said, if those corporations said that they hadn't got full production up and full profit levels up. We paid the difference. Isn't that a beautiful deal with our wonderful, wonderful democracies, as they call it? Huh? In the States, it's a democratic republic, they call that. <laughs> and I can remember, too, when, when James Goldsmith came over and talked to the Senate, what a great speech he gave, uh, telling them about free trade in a, and the NAFTA deal, which is all part of it. Uh, the NAFTA deal, which is now the, the U.S. Um, MCA deal, so it's the same thing, only it's the next stage towards it for integration of the Americas. The same deal as for the European Union had, you see. That's what it is. Uh, but I'm so sick and over the same stuff. To me, it's just old hats, because I lived through it, and I knew what was happening at the time. Uh, but I knew, but, but get, getting every, do you really think that all these think tanks that ran it all and the Council on Foreign Relations that drafted up the, 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 the treaties for, for, for all these deals and handed it to governments to rubber stamp and your law? And you don't vote for the CFR, folks, but these are super think tanks. They call it think tanks. Eh? It's a joke that draft up, they, they, they even drafted up the EU Union, they admitted that, and the NAFTA treaty, and handed it to government to sign into law. And, and they draft up the, the deals for China for free trade as well, because they run the, 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 the Asian Pacific group as well, of the Council on Foreign Relations Department as well. Long-term planning by a private group going way back at least to Lord Alfred Milner, Cecil Rhodes, etc., and all the ones that came after it. It's fantastic to see it all happening, and yet most of the the public didn't even seem to notice that all the items that you used to buy, even even the guys for tools, suddenly everything's made in China, and they didn't think to question it. But what a transition time that was. For lots, how many people were laid off and lost everything? And couldn't get work again. People, how could guys, and as men and women too, how could they get work in their forties and fifties when that's all they knew was working in factories? And there was lot, there were lots of factories. But getting back to what I'm saying here, do you really, really think that these big think tanks didn't take it far enough and say, "Wait a minute here, supposing things change and the model state for the world, which is China, that's what we're all supposed to copy according to United Nations." I'm not kidding you, I've got all the old articles here and documentaries that they churned out that you wouldn't believe on, on keeping repeating that. And China was a model state for the world, this communist country where, you, where it's obedience to, to, the, to the leaders and that's it. Uh, that was to be uh, the, the, what we're supposed to emulate. Well, supposing you fell out with them, or supposing there was a change in plan, or supposing the con men at the very top who planned it all says, well, maybe maybe we'll give them 25 years in China, 30 years, and then we'll become their enemies again. Well, since they're the only producers left, who's going to make up the shortfall if you ever fell out with them? Who's going to make the shortfall if, if they have this tremendous disease rampaging through their nation? You think they didn't think of these things? Of course they think of these things, folks. So what's happening today has many purposes, many agendas to get fulfilled, including, if, if they keep it going for as long as they, they hope they can keep it going in the West, that is, a whole new change in, in way of living, maybe even down to rationing. 
so they can get their agenda onto the next level. The first level, the first big change was 9-11 and Homeland Security and the war on terror, which I call the war off terror, really, on the public. When literally, you can't, you, you can't speak or, or even text anything or whatever without them want, demanding to know what you're saying or doing. And everybody happily complies. Because if, if they bring down the economy, which again, economic warfare is a form of warfare, a very effective form of warfare. And as I say, you have to understand, it's, it's how you view things that really make the difference. China has already declared to their own citizens it's a wartime scenario. And they've warned them to obey, or they'll be nailed to the tree or wall or whatever it is, they'll be nailed to the tree as basically letting down the nation if they don't obey and pull their weight and so on. And you get more done again in five years of war than you can do in 50 years of propaganda. And 50 years of propaganda, that's an, a lot of, of attempted persuasion and incremental indoctrination as you work through the schools, waiting for that, that indoctrinated group to grow up and then start to doing what they're told and changing what you want them to change. Stalin did the same thing. That 50-year plans, 100-year plans, we were doing the same things today. The United Nations has them too. So you got, you got to stop having this, this short-term projection into the future. The, the big boys themselves are way ahead, sometimes centuries, not just one century. So here we are going through a crisis with disease and so on. Now, if you truly followed the laws of plague or you know viral disease, pandemics, epidemics, and so on, the first law is complete quarantine. <laughs> Farmers do it. I mean, you've all seen probably uh, All Creatures Great and Small, the old, the old TV series in Britain, Think, or, or something similar to that, uh, where, they, where they had the, the call it hoof and mouth. In, in Britain, I think they called it foot and mouth disease for cattle and cloven hoofed animals. Uh, and they would burn, they would literally, oh, they would be out law in force and, and no one could even walk on a field or into another field that was uncontaminated uh, as imprisonment if you did that and total quarantine for humans and animals were immediately, uh, whole, whole mountains of, of cattle and all kinds of animals were heaped up and burned. There was no exception. The suspicion alone was enough before even the tests were in and that was it. And farmers lost everything. That's the saying, you lost the farm. They lost everything. But the first thing is quarantine. Signs got around the infected area. No one can go in and out without going through literally troughs of disinfectant with their boots and everything. Well, with humans, it's the same thing. But one thing you wouldn't do with, with, a, with a hoof and mouth or foot and mouth disease is bringing an infected cow, a knowing infected cow, or possibly even infected, into, into a field of healthy cows. That's breaking quarantine. That, that's insane. So you can't have a bit of a quarantine, you understand? It's all or nothing. That's how you do it. And that's the same with any major quarantine for humans. So when you're bringing in lots and lots of people from areas, the, area, the, the very areas to say that this rampaging through in China, it makes no sense, especially again, when it's a supposed new type of coronavirus, novel, and you've got all these conflicting th theories, so far theories about it, uh, about many people don't even show the symptoms until maybe two weeks have passed. Some of them are, have no symptoms at all. Others will be carriers. They're asymptomatic. But we've had them coming to Canada already who tested negative and then the next day or the day after that, they were found to be contaminated, positive. It's insane unless you want problems to spread or, or we're not being told much of the truth. And I do suspect that's one of the things that too, it seems to be very much like the SARS. And the, the studies comparing it all, all the time to the SARS that affected pretty well mainly Asians and Chinese. And see, it's a lack of information that makes people... So why would you not tell the public that most of you may not... If, if they know this, this is, this is speculation, if they know this, who it really is going to affect, why aren't they telling the public? That? The same thing did happen with SARS. It wasn't until about a year or two later they admitted that to the general public 
in Canada when it happened. So why why would you hide vital information that, that might make people ease up a bit on their on their fear? Unless you want to promote fear. And if you want fear, what do you really want to get out of this whole fearful episode here? That that's a dangerous thing, of course. Is is what do they want out of it? More authority over what? For future what, etc. I can remember previous times too, and I used to do it on the air, when there was outbreaks of the H1N1 and so on. And it even came out that, that the German politicians would not take the vaccines that were given to the general public. That was the newspapers, the general newspapers at the time. Not conspiracy sites, right? The general newspapers. I remember doing the talks on it too and reading from them. And uh, they demanded a special type, on, and they did bring a special type in for them. And also in pandemics-epidemic situations too, they already have uh, the gene sequences. They, they, they've sequenced the gene, the genetic makeup of this particular coronavirus. And, and we also know what type it is. And yes, there is actually, there is. They, they, they keep hammering anybody who, who, who says this. But there's a patent there for this particular type of uh, virus, you know. Maybe not the exact match of it, I, I, I don't even know, but there's a patent in there. We know this, it's been across in the big newspapers now, after blacklisting anybody who mentioned it before, but now it's okay for the general media to mention it. With any patent, they've got to have a, a vaccine for it, you know. That's just it. And whoever has a vaccine is going to make billions on this, billions. I always remember the book about the Rothschilds and, and how they, they made money and so on. And one of the first Rothschilds in, in London was asked, when's the best time? Because the speculators are always in the, following them like, like greyhounds, you know, trying to fight, jump in the markets and so on. But they said, when's the best time to make money? It's when blood is running in the streets. Because people are terrified, you see. That, that's the key to that. When folk are terrified, you can make a fortune. During the great plagues in London, in England, the people selling um, rose-scented handkerchiefs to the people, saying that this, 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 the fragrance of the rose literally killed this strange mist or whatever. They didn't have a, a, a name for this bite. They knew it was something in the air. They knew that or something. They just knew that. They knew that much. But they didn't have the microscopes to see exactly what it was back then. But... Um, they called it like a, a foul, a foulness in the air, a, a miasma type of uh, thing, or, or even the fog rolling in from the Thames. But people were making a fortune selling these these handkerchiefs with uh, with rose scents in them, saying it would cure them. It would it would repel this disease, this this terrible disease that was on the this plague upon the people. So yeah, you, you'll always have. The con men uh, making a fortune. One story I got to mention too is one preacher used to be on. He's dead now, but he used to be on television years ago, uh, and uh, he had a big, big church down in California. I think it was, and he used to come on the on the air every day, and he'd smoke a cigar and chat away. Some some good talks he gave too, mind you. But his thing was money, money, money. He had he had lots of money. Uh, as many of the, the strange uh, <clears throat> followers of God do in America. It's strange that, isn't it? But these are the authorized ones, the, the, the real the ones who are not authorized and, and just preach basic Christianity or don't seem to get a leg up. Uh, the ones who get money are pushing uh, a different agendas, political agendas for different, different uh, people and areas outside of their religion. However, he used to go on and he mentioned that the guy that came in to do a lot of the work for public relations for his organization, used to used to work in in Israel, on on tours of Israel, you know the, the holy places and so on, and, and he made a fortune. This guy by selling, he used to take bits of stones from walls along on some paths and so on near Bethlehem, and, and say that these were actually part of the paving stones that the, the donkey carrying Jesus uh, walked over, and he made a fortune off it. Because folk laps, they lap up that kind of stuff, you know. It's not good enough to know that someone lived lived in the planet. They have to have something tangible, like a talisman, you see, they can touch. 
it's a human thing, obviously, a very human thing. And and there's the guys who are very sharp who make a fortune on it. But it's the same thing with, when it comes to terror and fear. You've got all kinds of people out there making fortune. I can remember the Y2K, when folk, even in the Patriot movement, were selling everything but the kitchen sink, including generators, and because the world was going to stop, you know. Oh, yeah, what a hype. And folk you know today who've done awfully well out of are still on, <laughs> talking about the same thing again. <laughs> yeah. Fortunes of fear and terror. Yeah. Then, of course, it was, it was, um, that the, the Mayan thing down pat, that never happened either. And same thing, oh my God, you know, fortunes, fortunes, fortunes. Rothschild, but when you make your money, your biggest killing, when the blood is running in the streets, meaning when folk are petrified and terrified, that's when you, that's when you make money. Whatever you need, or is claimed that you need, is going to be, is going to cost thousands of percents more. Uh, than never did before. That's how it is. Anyway, I'm off the topic here. Be careful out there what you're, what you're, you're looking at because, as I say, if this is basically going to affect the same groupings that, that the SARS affected, it's not going to be horrific to most people across the world, obviously. But what they want to get out the top by not explaining all this is, is the secrecy of those in charge that creates... Conspiracy, understand that, and and there's no reason why they can't tell the public what I'm just saying. So if they're keeping it back, they want you to be terrified, and they have other objectives. The the World Health Organization is in this element. It's never had so much power since the last SARS outbreak in in, in Canada. You see, and it's the West they want to be petrified and terrified about it. And suddenly they're swaggering around again. We're an, we're an authority here, you see. We're an authority. It, 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 all your organizations truly love to swagger with authority, even if they've got nothing to tell you that's helpful. <laughs> so if they could really use this to get into the next phase of, again, ID cards, if they want to bring out rationing down the road, get you all used to this new austerity program, they might just use this. I don't know. I really don't know. I really, I really just don't know. But I'll, I'll put plenty of links up tonight of, of your general news organizations saying the very things that were condemned the week before by uh, the authorities calling it fake news. But it's okay when the big authorized ones uh, say the same things. Eh? And talking about fake news, it's, uh, again, a, a little off topic as well. Not really. This movie, it comes in, I suppose. Today I was talking to someone, uh, again, on fake news, and I just mentioned the fact, because I'd read it on the air a few years ago, the MIT came out, it was in the newspapers, the general newspapers, that an MIT professor, because, you see, the MIT, certain departments are given, basically, NSA clearance into a lot of the real-time data transfers of folks' chit-chat and social media and so on. So then do, do real-time studies, and they're constantly putting out stuff there, and then, then watching you all chat and copy and complain or give your views in real-time, and, and it's all monitored through algorithms and so on. But an MIT department had a professor who told his, his class to start putting out fake history, and in real-time watch it being spread across the world as folk grabbed it, parted it off without checking themselves, or simply adopted it, thinking, well, these people must know what they're talking about. I'm just little old me. And they start parting the lies, you see. Well, when you've got authorizations from professors at MIT to put out fake news, how dare anybody complain about anybody else putting out their opinions on stuff that they've researched themselves? How dare they? How they're training us all to be children, no, we're, we're not children, we're adults, and we're allowed opinions in a supposedly free society. But a free society is the last thing the authoritarian personalities want. Hope you understand that. But don't panic about things, is what I'm saying. Don't panic about things. Understand them, but don't panic. The control factors are very old. They've been used through centuries and centuries with the same techniques by those in authority. It's always the same techniques that are used, but fear is at the top of it. And there's many ways to bring fear about for basic needs to survival. Food, shelter, clothing, heat, etc. Hmm? Now, one thing I want to mention here too, 
is, yes, there were uh, people from China who worked in a lab in Canada, Winnipeg, a big bio lab, who certainly were kicked out of their positions in Canada and escorted out of the labs by the RCMP in 2019. This stuff is in mainstream media now, so I guess you can mention it. But what's interesting, too, is the Harvard researcher, too, that was charged for dealing with the same biolab that the woman who was working in the, in the Canadian biolab from China, apparently she was also involved in the biolab where this thing broke out in China. So you, you definitely have, uh, there's plenty of evidence of what's going on for those at the top, which they won't share with the public. You're supposed to just be dumb and silly and, and leave, leave everything to the, the, the ones who manage us. That, that's not, that is not being an adult when you allow that to happen, folks. It really isn't. And how dare they uh, take on the, the responsibility of thinking for us? Huh? How can you possibly believe in democracies? Eh? Anyway, this article says, U.S. charges three, including Harvard researcher, but with lying about China ties. And I mentioned it before, but I didn't go into any depth with it. Harvard, Harvard University Department Chair and two Chinese nationals who were researchers at Boston University and Boston Hospital were charged on Tuesday for lying about their links to the Chinese government. Now, this is an odd article. It's an odd story, but it says, The charges are part of an aggressive effort by U.S. authorities to block what they say are Chinese efforts to stealing American scientific and technological advances. And China does this, it is true. They're famous for all kinds of technology, but including biochemical industry and, and all the rest of it too. But it's, it says, prosecutors charged Charles Lieber. Now, Charles Lieber is a big shot in the science world, in the bio-science world, because he's into biology and nanotechnology. It's quite fascinating, really. But Charles Lieber, chair of Harvard University's Department of Chemistry and Chemical Biology, he was charged with lying about his participation in China's uh, Thousand Talents Plan, it's called, which aims to attract research specialists working overseas. But when you really dig into it, this, this professor also was working with the Pentagon. On, you, you, can, you can start to sniff where it's all going, you know what I'm saying? But when I read it, I thought, this, this guy's big field is nano, nanotechnology including incredibly fine threads. Now, you tie that in with the articles just came out a couple of days ago on Elon Musk's uh, brain chips, basically, his nanotechnology for the brain, using this incredibly fine nano wires, basically. Well, this is what this guy works with, obviously. This is his, this guy's area. And he also has lots of awards for things, including the kind of almost the tubular-type particles when you delve into it which I would think would be connected to that Morgellons disease uh, that, that broke out uh, quite a few years back. And the, the folk were called paranoid nuts and all the rest of it. But the fact is, these things under the microscope show up. Definitely nanoparticles, little long tubes, little tubes, little threads, but nanoparticle-sized. Well, this is this guy's area of expertise. And then, then when I saw the one Elon Musk that talks about... Uh, the terrifying Neuralink machine that Elon Musk will use to turn humans into cyborgs, it says, by putting a chip in their brain gets an awesome upgrade, the, the tech billionaire claims. Hmm? And there's one from the mail, asked from the mail online. So it's not conspiracy paper. If they say that, you see, it's only if, if little old Jew says it, then it's conspiracy. Hmm? But uh, there you go. Uh, he talks about the tiny and flexible threads which are ten times thinner than a human hair and can be inserted directly into the brain. Hmm. Back to what I was just talking about again. There's, there's this one with a, a fellow who's a, a scientist and that's his speciality who also is working with the Chinese and maybe even passing all the data he was getting from Harvard and all the, all the different research uh, it's going on there and elsewhere over to the Chinese. Quite amazing. Anyway, he got arrested. And let's be honest, this, this went on for years with this fellow. How can you possibly allow all that for years without no... They knew all about it. He's had awards galore from China and awards from America, all the different... <laughs> so this is no... So why now? Why would you bring it up now, eh? 
Interesting. Well, awfully interesting. At least I find it interesting. It's only when you see how things tie together and where the future's supposed to go. And how many, do you realize how many movies they've churned out about, about zombies? Remember the, the, the police, the, the military exercises a few years ago, they called it the zombie exercise you know, for zombie. Which is really the, the con name for all folk who get, who get contaminated with a big breakout, you see. Movie after movie. I don't know why, but suddenly you turn into a zombie, supposedly. You're a subhuman, and, and, and then the, 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 your government uh, and, and your troops start killing them all. What kind of message is that? What kind of message is that to young guys who are in the military, who are brought up playing the games that are churned out with these movies alongside the movies? To see how many zombies you can kill. No one seems to connect these things, but everyone's influenced by them. Yeah, you're no longer a person now, you see. You're a burden on society, you're infected. You're dangerous, you're infected. The, the, the natural human condition in the Western world was always to help people. Right to the end. You do all you could. So why is it, why are the movie why have they been painting this other thing that, that suddenly when people get infected they're out to, to to kill you or eat you or whatever it happens to be it's, it's incredible dehumanization incredible and it doesn't bode well for where things are meant to go but I'll put these articles up as I say um, I, I wasn't sure exactly what to talk about tonight again either but. I don't want to go on and on about plague or whatever or, or disease or what's happening on the planet, but I do like to see what the governments want out of it since they break the rules. You don't bring in people from, from uh, infected areas to uninfected areas unless you want it to spread. If it's true that there's no symptoms with many of them until at least two weeks, sometimes longer. Not everyone is the same in clockwork uh, fashion with, and when it comes to biology, folks. The other thing is, too, there's no doubt about it, there's, going to be a, there's already a massive slowdown in trade from China, the manufacturer of the world. The West gave communist China the financing and the business. For years and years, the governments of the West have wooed all the students in with special deals. I trained them to be engineers. I can remember living through it. I thought, why are they bringing thousands of people from China, train them to be engineers when they don't have jobs to go back to? Well, and then, then bingo, they, they signed the trade deals off went your factories to China. It's all planned in advance. All planned, folks. So now they're surprised that that's what they're going to do when you can't get this, that, or the other, when no one's making the same articles anymore. All the factories are over there. That's all planned, folks. What we're taught, when we're taught to be naive, naturally, to believe everything's real, and your government's really there to look after you, your government should never, ever give its main and staple supplies of necessary goods, businesses to make these things over to another country, outside of the country. You have to be able to support yourselves in any kind of crisis time. Another thing, too, even with free trade, with all the food coming in, too, from America, Britain almost collapsed with World War One. then, too, definitely, because of the submarines sinking shipping. But there wasn't enough farms left. In fact, there was lots of farms left from World War One, where there might have been an old, I know, a grandfather still trying to run it himself. The government took it off them, because all the young guys had been killed in the First World War. So the Second World War comes along, the government commandeers them all to make sure to try to get food growing because you couldn't get food. Britain imported way too much food, still does. The US is doing the same thing, Canada does too, free trade. You must accept the stuff from other countries, which means that your own folk can't compete. And this is all managed this way. Think about it. Anyway, don't panic, as they say, because... Unless this, is, this has been truly, truly hyped up beyond recognition as a, as a, as a coronavirus. And remember, all colds and flus are types are in the same category. And they have different characteristics, of course, naturally, too. But, um, and that's how they give them, depending on the, on the protein coatings and so on. They give them different names, H1, whatever it happens to be. 
you have to remember that generally viruses are, are called the, the great, well, they're robbers. They go in, they, 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 they take DNA from victims that you get infected. It'll leave some of that DNA behind in you as it clears itself up, but it'll steal some of yours as well, your DNA. And so it's constantly mutating. And generally, they, they mutate into a harmless type of virus. So I have to wait and see what happens with this one. Even though I say that, uh, it's also true that I read the articles years ago from Porton Downs in England, where they, they've got a tremendous arsenal of, of bioweaponry. And, and a, a, a reporter from one of the newspapers, maybe in the Telegraph, I'm, I can't remember, of, of Pat, but I do have the article still. And uh, he was allowed in for a day in the biowarfare department. Where they, he said, I couldn't believe it. In the morning, we're sitting having coffee before work began. And they're quite casually talking about ethnic-specific viruses and so on, which they already had, and how they could release them. And these would sweep across a nation within two or three weeks, kill X amount of people. And they were programmed, literally, to then stop reproducing themselves, just like clockwork. I mean, that's how far advanced the, the biowarfare departments are. And these guys rake in the cash because they're psychopaths, recruited by those who rule you, who are also psychopaths. And if you met them, you'd probably like them. They'd be smiling and very likable. But they have no conscience, as you or I would have conscience, or, or fear that they complete lack of fear, too, you know. Awfully well paid to find ways to, to, to destroy you. That's their job. Eh? So anyway, I was just have to wait and see what happens with this one and to see what governments and the world system of government wants out of it. Because they will definitely make hay while the sun shines, you might say. But don't panic about things. Don't get hyped up uh, about uh, the fear and terror. But you should really uh, have a few folk that you know, hopefully, well enough to help each other out if, if times get tough with uh, embargoes on food or whatever it happens to be. You just don't know, you see. You should have enough to last you over, over a, bad, a really bad day. Even a few weeks would help you out. Tough times. And it depends, as I say, what the big governmental global system wants out of this over the general public with uh, how they want to rule us all for the next step. 9-11 was one step. And, and the, the anti-terrorism bill, which is a terrorism bill, terror upon the public, when you've got no freedom at all, and uh, and the next step into austerity, etc. We'll wait and see what happens. But no doubt about it, we're living at a time when the economy is stagnant. It's been stagnant for years. We know that's a job. They talk about recoveries. It's a jobless recovery. As they fudge numbers and figures, it's all a joke. That's a joke. We know that. And there's more and more automation going on too, so there's less and less work anyway. But the, 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 the financial system is awful because the, the, the currency literally is so inflated. They need more and more and more to get the same basic foodstuffs, etc. It's out of sight here in Canada. So, so course, yeah, they've also got a plan in mind to make something happen because we've got something planned for the next step, sure. And we'll have to wait and see, but don't worry uh, we're kept in fear. Every generation is kept in fear of wars, rumors of wars, financial crashes, etc., plagues, pestilences, all the usual stuff. And you shouldn't live in terror about it either. The abusers, those who rule you are abusers. Those who use fear to rule are abusers. And they, they know that those who are abused and brought up with the abuse and, and encourage this, they, they encourage the abused to turn to the abuser, for help. We're here to help you. Hmm? But here's the conditions. That's a simple technique of managing the public on behalf of the authoritarian society in which we live. Hmm? Now, last night it was down to about 15 below and the Fahrenheit scale here in Canada because of global warming, you see. But at least the nights are getting, uh, the evenings are getting a bit... Uh, Lighter or stay, or lights staying longer before it gets dark. So hopefully there's a, a new day coming uh, where eventually we'll have longer days with some sunshine, etc., and things won't be so unpleasant. Be, be in the gloom of and doom of winter time, it's um, 
you have to remember that folk really have to look upon, again, it's the positive side of just getting by day to day. That's what it's about, isn't it? Because we certainly live in a very, a very, really, really, it's a tremendously arrogant and arrogantly abusive system of authoritarians with lots of letters behind their names and fancy titles, etc., etc., etc. So take care, everybody out there, of yourselves. Have a little group, hopefully, they'll help each other out in, in tough times. You should have a few, a few friends, hopefully, hopefully you have a few friends. Anyway, most folk, like Plato said, are lucky to have four or five friends in their lifetime. That's the reality. All this fake friend stuff on, on, on chat rooms and that's all, it's all nonsense. Real friends are hard to even find. So if you do find them, even regardless of your squabbles or differences and all the rest of it, uh, try to keep in with each other because, you, yeah, you do need folk now and then. You certainly do. Now remember, too, you can also help me take along here by buying the books and discs at CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com or donating for using my shows and so on. Or my talks, I hate to call them shows, they're talks. Everyone, everybody wants entertainment and show business today. But I give talks if, with information that can be verified at least, or, or you can check it out and find out for yourselves what you want to really think, believe, or, or, or even contemplate in life. So buy the books and discs or donate to me at cuttingthroughthematrix.com. Go into the site, you'll find out how to do it. And also make a list of all the sites you see listed at the com site, all the other official sites in case any of them go down. You can always get, get the talks I, I, I do from the other sites as well. Remember, you can, you can send cash or a check. And in some countries you can send international postal money orders. You can't get them from, you can't send them from the States anymore, apparently, or Canada. But you can use PayPal and you can, as you send cash or a check and they're fine. Or MoneyGram too, I think that works as well. And that'll help me tick along because I don't sell anything to make money off uh, with lots of claims of efficacy and saving your lives or anything else. <laughs> I just give you information. And I think hopefully if you can keep a strong mind, you'd be surprised at what you can endure in this world, especially under the system I've been talking about tonight. So for myself, Alan Watt from Ontario, Canada, it's good night. And may your God or God's go with you. <laughs>